Is that true? Only two and a half hours per day on social media? I thought it was way more than that. It, but if you think about it, like how much time that actually is. My guess is it's people. Are Maybe it's under underreported, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so. but I, I mean, considering that you sleep hopefully for eight hours a day. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Welcome to Fresh Takes by Total Expert, designed to get you up, get you moving, and propel your business forward. Hit the pavement with us as we connect you to financial services experts, get their take on the state of the industry, and leave with actionable insights. Here's your host, Total Expert Chief Customer Officer, Sue Woodard. Hey everybody, Sue Woodard here, your Chief Customer Officer at Total Expert, and I am so thrilled to welcome you to another episode of Fresh Takes. Now, hopefully, you know the idea with Fresh Takes is you go get some fresh air while you hear some fresh ideas some from some fresh faces. And so hopefully you've got those sneakers or flip-flops or walking shoes on, and you are out getting some steps in while we have a conversation today. And I am so excited about today's guest. It is from Denim Social, Mr. Doug Wilbur. Welcome, Doug. Hey, Sue. Thanks for having me. Well, so glad you're here. Now, you need little introduction, but yet I'm going to introduce you, my friend. Uh, for those of you who may not know Doug yet, Doug is the CEO of Denim Social, which is a social media management software company that provides tools to empower marketers in regulated industries to manage organic social media content and paid social media advertising on one platform. Denim Social is trusted by more than 250 institutions in banking, insurance, mortgage, and wealth management, and enables brands to engage consumers on social media, deepen relationships within their communities, and close more deals while staying in compliance. And Doug, you've worked in the fintech space for more than a decade and has experience working with Discover Financial System, Payments.com, and Assembly Payments, among others, as well as advising a number of fintech-focused startups in the greater St. Louis area. Whew! How do you find the time? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's all about keeping a, a, a very uh, tightly organized calendar because <laughs> on top of all of that, we are, of course, our parents and husbands or wives and have all of our other commits outside of uh, the working world as well. So yes, no kidding. Got to keep it on schedule. Keep the trains running on time. Well, that's right. Well, we're going to learn from you today. So I'm excited about this. But you know, if you've, you've listened to the podcast before, Doug, so you know that I Indeed. picked one of our table talk cards, which is generally the little packs of cards that we use at our events um, just for little icebreakers and conversations, and I picked a special one for you today just so we can learn a little bit more about you. The question I chose was if you jumped in a time machine, would you go back or into the future? Yeah, I mean, which way do you go? Um, if, if I was Marty McFly, which which direction do I go, right? <laughs> I actually think that I would, I'd have to jump into the future. And I, and I think the reason being is, you know, running a, a high growth startup like Denim, we're trying to constantly read the tea leaves of mm -hmm. what the world is going to look like in the future. How do we build product for our customers that will be valuable not only today, but well into the future? Um, so it's sort of like the way I would look at it is if I can travel ahead in time, I'm almost like buying the lottery ticket. Right. When I know what the numbers are going to be. Right. Uh, so I would say I'd have to I'd have to jump into the future so I can make better decisions today. Okay, well, that's that's a good one. And I liked the uh, Back to the Future reference, naturally, because you, know, <laughs> you got a little tiny bit of Marty McFly in you, perhaps, Doug. I don't there know. There you go. I there you know. go. So, yeah, maybe. Well, I want to dig in. We're obviously talking a lot today about social media, which is something you know a lot about. Mm -hmm. And as we know, more and more consumers are turning to the web to do their research and find the best partners or brands to work with. You know, obviously, financial services organizations have to be front and center. And a huge part of that is social media. In fact, yeah. there was a recent stat that said that consumers last year 
spent nearly two and a half hours each day on social media, which, Doug, I think that's light. I think they're lying to you. I think think the number is well north of that, uh, (laughs) just based on when you pop into any sort of coffee shop or restaurant or you just look at your friends when you're all out together. I mean, they're definitely multitasking. Maybe it's two and a half hours of dedicated social media (laughs) use. It's not multitasking. I would Um, agree. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. But, you know, I would say that, you know, directionally speaking, what we found and this is, you know, really at the onset of the pandemic, what we had found was the value and the role that social played in building and nurturing customer relationships was very much understated mm-hmm. in terms of the amount of attention it got from our customers, right? And what we found was once this pandemic set in, and by, by no means we're, did we see a demand spike like Zoom, right? Like not every we're, right. not every five-year-old knows what Denim Social is, right? Like not, they do what Zoom is now. Not yet. But not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but, uh, but we did see a significant spike in demand for our platform because every single one of our customers and prospects and, and, you know, folks that are now customers on our platform all realized how important personal relationships are in the financial services industry. That's why we have mortgage lenders, commercial lenders, yeah. wealth advisors, uh, you know, all of these individuals in our lives that help us as consumers to make more sound financial decisions. Right. And when the branch is closed and you couldn't take somebody for a cup of coffee, you couldn't meet them for lunch, you couldn't meet them in the real world. Social media became really the best and only alternative yeah. to managing those one to one communications. That is how, you know, deals, for lack of a better term, how deals get done in financial services. And so it's been uh, it's been a really wild ride for us over the last you know 18 months or so. No kidding. Well, and I'm not sure that it's letting up, even though the, you know, we're getting out of the pandemic and things are starting to open up yeah. again. But I think there still is pretty, you know, I, I would say, as you said, you, you go to any restaurant, you look at people walking down the street. I was in the airport the other day, mm-hmm. literally <laughs> everybody, as we know, they're staring at their phones and they're on social. So talk a little bit, knowing that this is such a critical um, part of just our, our now and our future. Um, what are some of the tips you'd give to financial brands about mapping out their social media strategy to ensure that they're connecting with consumers and that they're in the places and on the right channels where their desired customer base is? Totally. Is that? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and for us, it really comes down to having a fundamental understanding of how do you connect with a consumer on social media, regardless of the channel? How do you, as a brand, connect with a consumer on social? And the answer to that question is, your brand does not connect with consumers on social media, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a, you know, I'll, I'll probably get in a little bit of, of hot water, but I mean, at the end of the day, like financial services brands really aren't all that exciting, right? We're not talking about sneaker drops and the, you know, the, the latest brewery release and all the things that people get excited about right. when they engage with brands on social. Um, so it's very difficult for a financial services firm to engage with consumers on social media because frankly, it's not stuff that we go out to social to look for, mm-hmm. but we are connected, whether it be, you know, people that you go to the same church or your kids are on the same soccer team or you're part of the parent teacher organizations or your friends from college or whatever it is, we are connected personally mm-hmm. with commercial lenders, wealth advisors, mortgage lenders, et cetera. Yep. And so when they are publishing content on social media, we as consumers are much more likely to engage with it. 
And so that's why we've architected everything within our platform to be designed around this idea of what we call social selling, right? The idea of being more proactive on social media on a personal level yep. to more engage with those people that you're personally connected with, right? We go on social media as consumers to connect with people. And so an FI or a financial services institution, if they want to get success from social, if they want to drive results from social, they need to be able to understand that fundamentally it's about their people yep. and not about their brand. Yep. Right. You know, and so that's everything that we're building. Spot on, spot on. And one of the things that, you know, I, I say a lot and I think is is true is that people do business with people. They don't do business with a company. Totally. You don't do business with a brand. Yeah. You do business with another yep. person. And so the, what you're yep. talking about is that you're really empowering not only that brand to be maybe more engaging and more effective, but also how are they powering their people to connect with their people. Yeah. And their community. Totally. I and I mean, you think about just just think about how hyper like, let's pick out one example of you know mortgage, for example, we both have a lot of customers in the mortgage space, how hyper competitive it is in the mortgage industry right mm-hmm. now. You know, it's it's, you know, what was the stat that it was like 92% of consumers will work with the one of the first two lenders they speak with. Yep. And most lenders only retain 18% of their customer relationships. Yep. Because everybody's trying to scoop up these yes. customer relationships. And it's mostly a result of only thinking about marketing at the brand level and not what you're doing to empower your LOs and your lending officers to be more engaged on an ongoing basis with your customers. That's right. And right? I, and, and, and all, if we think, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you think about like if you grab your own phone, you know, right now um, yeah. and you look at go through whatever social media channel is your is your jam. If I look through my LinkedIn right now, the things that I stop and look at are generally not something from a company. It's something from Correct. a person at that company. And totally. that's what gets your attention. Totally. Totally. And, and, you know, the challenge in all of that for brand marketers and all the brand marketers who are listening, right, they're probably getting a lot of heartburn over this. And the <laughs> compliance officers are probably getting a lot of heartburn over this idea of, wait, you're telling me that my 2000 loan officers all need to be social media mavens? Well, no, they don't need to be. You, the way that we've architected our platform is you put the control of all of that activity in the hands of your brand marketing teams, yep. in the hands of your compliance officers to make sure that all of the trains are running on time, that we've herded all the cats, whatever analogy it is that you want to use, we're putting the control in the hands of the professionals. Right on. It's just the mechanism that that content gets in the marketplace is on behalf of individuals, not brands. Yes, because that's what works. So a huge totally. part we know of a, of a successful social media strategy is is doing those types of things, but really measuring and monitoring what's working and what's not working. Yep. Like, is the content, yep. does it seem like it's relevant? Are we getting the right kinds of engagement? So talk a little bit about the metrics that financial services mm-hmm. and financial brands and mortgage companies should be looking at monitoring most closely to inform their future strategy so i can tell you the metrics that they shouldn't be looking at and this is the pitfall with social is in many cases we always get wrapped around the axle with what we call vanity metrics how many thumbs up did my post get right how many views did my post get how many comments did my post get that doesn't matter because as you and i are thumbing through our feeds I don't engage with every post. It doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It doesn't mean that I didn't engage with it. It doesn't mean that it wasn't memorable. Mm-hmm. I just didn't take the extra step to actually hit the button to make it a clap versus a heart versus a thumbs up, right? And 
So what we coach our customers on, and, and actually we've architected this into our product, is what really matters with social is measuring how that engagement ultimately converts to sales. Right? How are you how are you starting a conversation on social media and as quickly as possible getting it off of social and ideally into the sales funnel, which is measured inside of a CRM, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is where we are hyper focused is is making sure that all of that energy that goes into building content campaigns, that goes into building the ability for your employees to have a robust social presence, that we're ultimately taking all that engagement. And we're dumping it into a place where the deals are getting done. Right. The CRM, the loan origination system, the underwriting systems, all of those platforms where the deals actually get measured and driving attribution back to social and following the breadcrumbs back to social is really what you what we encourage our customers to get focused on and less focused on the vanity metrics that have historically measured success on social. You know, it's a great point because I think, you know, everybody does that. That's why they that's why they built them in those ways to give you that little juice yeah. of like, ooh, you know, how many people liked it? But to your point, yeah. is it actually driving is it actually driving business? Is it the right kind of attention or is it just clever where right. random people are liking it but they're, you know, Correct. not remotely related yeah. to being well, and it's and it's easier ever to, to fake engagement, right? I mean you yeah. can buy likes, you can buy followers and do all these things. And That's so right. actually getting down to brass tacks and measuring the dollars, yep. not the vanity metric. I mean, we actually, so um, we, we just released, uh, we, we measured a hundred and I think it was 160,000 social media posts across like hundreds of financial services organizations of every asset class and geography and whatever. And we, it's our social media benchmarking report. And we've partnered with Washington University here in St. Louis, um, you know, people who are way smarter than we are. Um, to do all of this analysis for us. And one of the key takeaways for us was the number, the percentage of social media posts that come out of financial institutions that are essentially a digital dead end street. No link <laughs> yeah. to the post. Right. Right. And it was 80% of social media posts that come out of financial services organizations don't give the consumer anything to click on. And that to me was like, I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder why we spend so much time educating our customers on how to measure ROI because they're not doing the building blocks. Right. Right. Just you haven't given anybody the opportunity to actually learn more, to extend the conversation, to get in touch with a lender. Right. You're basically just putting out digital billboards as you're screaming down the the information superhighway. Right. Right. So that was a, that was a really interesting insight for us is if you do anything, just put a hyperlink in your post. <laughs> right. So, so I have to ask you because you mentioned the social media marketing report. I don't know that I have it. So how how would I get it? How would people listening get a copy oh, of that report? Yeah. Well, I didn't intend for this to be a, a self promotion. No, but, but like um, I literally want to know. I mean, maybe we can edit this yeah, out later. But I think everybody listening is uh, like, "What did he say? How yeah, do I get that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the report itself. So again, we we analyzed like 160,000 different social media posts, hundreds of financial institutions, every asset class, every geography, um, and we benchmark them against their peers. Okay. Um, and that report uh, can be found on our website on denimsocial.com. Um, I couldn't tell you the exact way to navigate there. Okay. I'm sure there's I'll a link it. on our homepage or in our content. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's actually a, it's 
hats off to the team at Washington University that we partnered with on this because they were just, I mean, absolute geniuses with slicing and dicing the data and teasing out some really actionable insights. No, I'm super excited to read it. So I, I knew everybody yeah. listening. You're welcome because I knew you were asking the same question. <laughs> so, but you just said something really interesting. One of the findings out of that, and so it's a pretty easy tip to put into action is, hey, mm-hmm. make sure that there's a something to do. There's something to link to. There's an action to take yeah. with your posts, right? So totally. you totally. mentioned, um, you know, this analysis. And I know just when I kind of go through my social and you do too, you know, there's there's brands that stand out. And I think that's one quick, easy thing people can also do is start to say, who are the brands that really stand out to me on social and why? What is it? But yeah. share a little bit about, you know, for you. I mean, this is obviously what you do day in, day out. Like, who are some of your favorite um, financial brands to follow that are, are ones that you really think are doing a standout job? And, and what can we learn from them? Totally, totally. And, I, you know, I'll take this as an opportunity to give a shout out to a handful of our customers, of course. Um, so there, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, one would be the, the, the People's Bank of Washington out there on the West Coast. Um, the interesting thing, and an American banker did a story on, on the value of social and, and People's Bank of Washington, unbeknownst to ourselves, uh, were interviewed as part of this American banker story. Uh, so we were actually, we were, we were, you know, thrilled with the quotes that they provided about the value they're getting from social. Um, their loan officers, uh, so we work with, we work with their mortgage lending team. Their loan officers, when they go dark on social, they see a material drop in referral business, like a measurable drop in the number of referrals they get from real estate agents, mm-hmm. contractors, house flippers, you know, all those people that ultimately drive deal flow for LOs. Mm-hmm. They see when their LOs go dark on social media, they see a material drop in that referral business. And all of the social media for all of those, you know, few hundred loan officers is all managed centrally by their marketing team. That's awesome. So that was one that, and so that, so that marketing team does a phenomenal job yeah. um, with making sure that their loan officers are actually driving incremental deal flow through social. Um, another one that has been really interesting to work with over the last, call it two years or so is Annie Mac out on the East coast. Mm-hmm. So Annie Mac and, and they, they were um, a really cool case study for us in the value of our compliance capabilities. And as they like to say, they've actually taught their LOs and their marketing teams about the role that compliance plays in all of this by using our tool. They call it compliance by osmosis. And so <laughs> they have a much greater appreciation for the role that compliance plays in making sure that you are you know, saying the right things. You're not going to get in trouble with a regulator. You're not going to get fined for saying something like, I guarantee I can approve you for this loan, (laughs) right? Right? All those things that happen when you don't have tight protocols in place on how you manage social media, Mac has it down to science. And they're actually now having much greater appreciation and much more symbiotic relationship between marketing and compliance because of how they've used our platform. Uh, to, to build out, you know, how they've rolled out their social selling program. So those are two examples. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's there's hundreds more. Of course, we work with like 250 financial institutions now across the country. Right. So dozens of examples like that of, of the value that can be derived once you actually start to get more organized and you believe in this idea of people buy from people. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, and and I think some of the best brands also that I see are ones that are telling stories, you know, and and financial services and in mortgage in particular, you know, it's a a business of stories and stories are what engages people, stories and faces, you know, those are the things that I think draw you in because I pay attention to that. What are the things that I'm more likely to want to click on and look at and get engaged Mm -hmm. with? And I, you know, think about what those things are that that cause me to do that and and really try to put those into action in my own social media. So you talked about some things that were super actionable already um, talking about hey you know four out of five times people aren't putting a link or a thing to do so that's a pretty easy one to check I'm yeah. going to go definitely as an action item here and get that um, report so thank you for sharing that that's on denimsocial.com um, but if if I said hey when people come back to their desk they're hopefully out for a nice walk getting their steps in they're coming back they're going to sit down what is an action that they could take today that would up their game related to social media? What would you say? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it gets back to, and I, I sort of feel like we're we're beating a uh, dead horse a little bit, but I mean, it, it, the, the action item to me, and this is really when we start talking to a new customer and we start to educate them on how to get value from a platform like ourselves, is really in your heart of hearts, think about how your customers want to engage with you as a brand. And it will ultimately lead you back down the role of the relationship manager, the advisor, the agent, mm-hmm. you know, whomever. And that to me is like the one takeaway is to really think about the role that your people play in driving your customer relationships and how can you actually harness that collective horsepower and reach to drive results. And so LinkedIn actually does a, a great job on this actually of talking about the value that, that, um, social plays. Mm-hmm. Their their data suggests that on average, employees have 10x the following of the brands they yep. work for on social media. And every time they post, they're going to get 2x the engagement. Yep. I've read that same so, stat, which is very interesting. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, once you hear that number, you're like, oh, duh, that makes so much sense. Right. But then you start to get into the heartburn moments. Okay. Now I'm bought in. This makes sense for me to give my employees a soapbox to speak from. Yeah. But how do I manage it all? How do I give them the content that they need, right? And they use, our customers use our content engine to surface highly shareable and compliant content on a regular basis. How do you make sure your compliance department is on board with having, instead of one channel to manage, thousands of channels yep. to manage, right? And having compliance workflows and all that. So the complexity that comes with, the you know, when you buy in on that philosophy, the complexity that it's the next wave is is the challenge. And that's where we come in to help. Absolutely. And I, you know, this is a great conversation just because especially, you know, we started um, with, you know, going back to the future, thinking about the time machine. And I always think about how do you look a year down the road? And and I always want to look a year back and say, man, you know, I took Mm -hmm. these actions at that time. And now I've got this going on in my my business or my life. And I would say that that's a good challenge for people right now. Imagine next summer having looked back and listened to this conversation again and say, man, what actions did I take so that I know I have upped my game, I've upped my engagement, I've empowered my people, um, you know, I'm getting the right content through the right channels. I mean, those are those are great, great tips. So, Doug, thank you so much. You've shared just great insights, great takeaways. So really appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And hey, for everybody listening, thanks for tuning in today and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of Fresh Takes. Bye, everybody. 
Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. And I can't wait. Like, I totally want to go see that report. Like, that was, yeah, that was like, I I didn't want you to, I appreciate that you're, you know, not wanting to like the plug, but I was like, every time somebody's like, we did this amazing report, I'm like, well, bro, where is it? Like, everybody's here.